Chapter Nineteen, Part Two of the Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni chapter nineteen part two one evening a capuchin arrived at pescaranico from milan with a dispatch to the father guardian it contained an order for father cristoforo to repair at once to remini where he was appointed to preach the course of lent sermons the letter to the guardian contained instructions to insinuate to the said friar that he must give up all thoughts of any business he might have had in hand at the neighborhood he was about to leave and was not to keep up any correspondence there the bearer would be his companion by the way the guardian said nothing that evening but next morning he summoned father cristoforo showed him the command and bade him take his wallet staff maniple and girdle and with the father whom he presented to him as a companion immediately set off on his journey what a blow this would be to the poor friar the reader must imagine renzo lucia agnes instantly rushed into his mind and he exclaimed so to say to himself oh my god what will these poor creatures do when i'm no longer here but instantly raising his eyes to heaven he reproached himself for want of faith and for having supposed that he was necessary in anything he crossed his hands on his breast in token of obedience and bowed his head before the guardian who taking him aside told him the rest of the message adding a few words of advice and some sensible precepts father cristoforo then went on into his cell took his basket and placed therein his breviary his sermons and the bread of forgiveness bound round his waist a leathern girdle took leave of his brethren whom he found in the convent went to request the guardian's blessing and then with his companion took the route which had been prescribed for him we have said that don rodrigo more than ever resolved to accomplish his praiseworthy undertaking had determined to seek the assistance of a very formidable character of this personage we can give neither the name surname nor title nor can we even venture a conjecture on any one of them which is the more remarkable as we find mention of him in more than one published book of those times that is the same personage the identity of facts leave no room for doubt but everywhere a studious endeavor may be traced to conceal his name as if the mention of it would have ignited the pen and scorched the writer's hand francisco revola in his life of the cardinal federigo Boremio, speaking of this person says a nobleman as powerful by wealth as illustrious by birth and nothing more giuseppe ripamonti who in the fifth book of the fifth decade of his storia patria makes more exclusive mention of him 
describes them as one this person that person this man that personage i will relate says he in his elegant latin which we translate as follows the case of one who is being among the first of the great men of the city took up his residence in the country where securing himself by the force of crime he set at naught justice and judges all magisterial and even all sovereign power situated on the very confines of the state he led an independent life a harbourer of outlaws an outlaw at one time himself and then safely returned we will extract in the sequel some other passages from this writer which will serve to confirm and elucidate the account of our anonymous author with whom we are travelling onward to do what was forbidden by the public laws or rendered difficult by an opposing power to be the arbiter the judge in other people's affairs without further interest in them than the love of command to be feared by all and to have the upper hand among those who were accustomed to hold the same station over others such had ever been the principal object and desires of this man from his youth he had always had mingled feelings of contempt and impatient envy at the sight or report of the power rencounters strifes and oppressive tyranny of others young and living in a city he omitted no opportunity nay even sought for them of setting himself up against the most renowned of this profession either entirely to subdue them to struggle with them and keep them in awe or to induce them to solicit his friendship superior to most in riches and retinue and perhaps to all in presumption and intrepidity he compelled many to retire from competition some he treated with haughtiness or contempt some he took as friends not however on an equality with himself but as alone would satisfy his proud and arrogant mind as subordinate friends who would be content to acknowledge their inferiority and use their hands in his service in fact however he became at length the great actor and the instrument of his companions who never failed to solicit the aid of so powerful an auxiliary in all their undertakings while for him to draw back would be to forfeit his reputation and come short of what he had assumed he went on thus till on his own service and that of others he had gone to such a length that neither his name family friends nor even his own audacity sufficed to secure him against public proclamations and outlawry and he was compelled to give way and leave the state i believe it is to this circumstance that a remarkable incident related by repamonti refers on one occasion when obliged to quit the country the secrecy he used and the respect and timidity he displayed were such that he rode through the city on horseback followed by a pack of hounds and accompanied with the sound of the trumpet and in passing before the palace of the court left an insolent message with the guards for the governor during his absence he continued the same practices 
not even intermitting his correspondence with those of his friends who remained united to him to translate literally from ripamonti in the secret alliance of atrocious consultations and fatal deeds it even appears that he engaged the foreign courts in other new and formidable undertakings of which the above-cited historian speaks with mysterious brevity some foreign princes several times availed themselves of his assistance in important murders and frequently sent him reinforcement of soldiers from a considerable distance to act under his orders at length it is not exactly known how long afterwards either the sentence of banishment against him being withdrawn by some powerful intercession or the audacity of the man serving him in place of any other liberation he resolved to return home and in fact did return not however to milan but to castle on his manor situated on the confines of the bergamascan territory at that time as most of our readers know under venetian government and here he fixed his abode this dwelling we again quoted ripamonti was as it were a dispensary of sanguinary mandates the servants were outlaws and murderers the very cooks and scullions were not exempt from homicide the hands of the children were stained with blood besides this amiable domestic circle he had as the same historian affirms another set of dependents of a similar character dispersed abroad and quartered so to say at different posts in the two states on the borders of which he lived who were always ready to execute his orders all the tyrannical noblemen for a considerable distance round had been obliged on one occasion or another to choose between the friendship or the enmity of this supereminent tyrant those however who at first attempted to resist him came off so badly in the contest that no one was ever induced to make a second trial neither was it possible by maintaining a neutral course or standing as the saying is in their own shoes to keep themselves independent of him if a message arrived intimating that such a person must desist from such an undertaking or cease to molest such a debtor or so forth it was necessary to give a decided answer one way or the other when one party came with the homage of a vassal to refer any business to his arbitration the other party was reduced to the hard alternative of either abiding by his sentence or publicly declaring hostilities which was equivalent to being as the saying is in the last stage of consumption men who were in the wrong had recourse to him that they might be right in effect many being in the right yet resorted to him to pre-engage so powerful a patronage and close the way against their adversaries thus both bad and good came to be dependent upon him it sometimes happened that the weak oppressed harassed and tyrannized over by some powerful lord turned to him for protection he would then take the part of the oppressed and force the oppressor to abstain from further injuries 
to repair the wrongs he had committed and even to stoop to apologies or in case of his proving stubborn and unbending he would completely crush his power constrain him to quit the place where he had exercised such unjust influence or even make him pay a more expeditious and more terrible penalty in these cases his name usually so dreaded and abhorred became for a time an object of blessing for i will not say this justice but this remedy this recompense of some sort could not have been expected under the circumstances of the times for any other either public or private source more frequently and indeed ordinarily his power and authority ministered to iniquitous desires atrocious revenge or outrageous caprice but the very opposite uses he made of this power produced in the end the self-same effect that of impressing all minds with the lofty idea of how much he could will and execute in spite of equity or inequity those two things which interpose so many impediments to the accomplishment of man's desires and so often forced him to turn back the fame of ordinary oppressors was for the most part restricted to the limited tract of country where they continually or frequently exercised their oppression each district had its own tyrant and these so resembled each other that there was no reason that people should interfere with those from whom they sustained neither injury nor molestation but the fame of this man had long been diffused throughout every corner of the milanese his life was everywhere the subject of popular stories and his very name carried with it the idea of something formidable dark and fabulous the suspicions that were everywhere entertained of his confederates and tools of assassination contributed to keep alive a constant memento of him there were nothing more than suspicions since who would have openly acknowledged such a dependence but every tyrant might be his associate every robber one of his assassins and the very uncertainty of the fact rendered the opinion more general and the terror more profound at every appearance of an unknown ruffian more savage-looking than usual at every enormous crime the author of which could not be at first pointed out or conjectured the name of this man was pronounced and whispered about whom thanks to the unhappy circumspection to give it no other epitaph of our authors we shall be obliged to designate the unnamed the distance between his castle and the palace of don rodrigo was not more than seven miles and no sooner had the latter become a lord and tyrant than he could not help seeing that at so short a distance from such a personage it would not be possible to carry on this profession without either coming to blows or walking hand in hand with him he had therefore offered himself and been accepted for a friend in the same way that is as the rest he had rendered him more than one service the manuscript says nothing further 
and had each time been rewarded by promises of requital and assistance in any cases of emergency he took great pains however to conceal such a friendship or at least of what nature and how strict it was don rodrigo liked well enough to play the tyrant but not the fierce and savage tyrant the profession was to him a means not an end he wished to live at freedom in the city to enjoy the conveniences diversions and honors of social life and for this end he was obliged to keep a certain appearance make much of his family cultivate the friendship of persons in place and keep one hand on the scales of justice so as on any occasion to make them preponderate in his favour either removing them altogether from view or bringing them to bear with double force on the head of some individual on whom he could thus more easily accomplish his designs than by the arm of private violence now an intimacy or it would be better to say an alliance with a person of such notoriety an open enemy of the public power would certainly not have advanced his interests in these respects and particularly with his uncle however the slight acquaintance which he was unable to conceal might pass very well for an indispensable attention towards a man whose enmity was much to be deprecated and thus it might receive excuse from necessity since one who assumes the charge of providing for another without the will or the means in the long run consents that his protege should provide for himself up to a certain point in his own affairs and if he does not expressly give his consent at least he winks at it one morning don rodrigo set off on horseback in the guise of a hunter with a small escort of bravados on foot grisio at his side and four others following behind him and took the road to the castle of the unnamed end of chapter nineteen part two